Nashville Life. Welcome to church. If it's your first time here, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Alvin, lead pastor here at Nashville Life. Uh, today's a special day for a few reasons. Um, we've got a lot of friends, as, as Marion mentioned. We've got uh, Kent here as well from Alabama. My grandma is here. My grandmother. All the way from Detroit, Michigan. She's amazing. Uh, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm always honored when you come and a little bit nervous. So I want to make sure I do a good job. Um, but thanks so much for being here. And then this past week, our founding pastor, Pastor Love, turned 73 years old. Some of you all, I know you guys, some of you guys got cards for them, so we've got a little basket here with some balloons, so, so uh, during either now or when we're done, just drop it off and show them some love. Uh, my dad's the best. He and my mom started this, this church out of a step of faith, and here we are nine years later, and they just, they couldn't be any better, so I honor both of you, but I especially uh, thank dad and wish him a happy birthday. He doesn't look a day older than... 45. Um, all right. We're going to get into the word. Before we do, I would like for us to do a, a declaration that we like to do before we get into the word of God. So repeat these words after me. Uh, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. All right, so we are closing out our series for the month of April, and it's called Actually. And we're taking very fundamental words in our language, and we are talking about what they actually mean according to the word of God. Easter was our first uh, part of the series. We talked about life actually and what life actually was according to God's word and then the last two weeks we talked about truth actually and what truth is according to God's word we learned that truth is a person he's Jesus um, and we talked a lot on that and then my plan was for this week was to be love actually and we were going to talk about what love was and I was going to use 1 Corinthians 13 the whole nine I'm going to teach that one day but I, I, I changed my mind I felt like it was time to, to, to switch gears for the last part of this. And I'm going to talk about belief. Yeah. Belief, actually. I feel that it's important for us to talk about what belief actually means. Uh, by and large, Christians are referred to as believers. And that's an accurate statement because that's really what defines who we are. That's really what separates us from any other human being is what we believe. Uh, scripture says in Romans chapter 10... Verse 9, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. So belief is very important. I believe it's the, 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 the trait that really separates us from everybody else. I think outside of our beliefs, we're just like any other sinner. I believe that we are prone to be selfish. We struggle with being honest. Uh, I, think he, I think believers outside of our belief system um, are a lot like everybody else. And we see this in history. Some of the greatest legends in scripture, if you take away their belief, they weren't the best people. Uh, we, got, we got Abraham, who was a liar and an idol worshiper. We got Moses, who was a murderer. We got David, who was a murderer too, and adulterer. We got Jonah, who was prejudiced. We got Paul, who was a blasphemer. We got Peter, who was a coward. But yet, because of this one trait, this one trait of believing, their status changed from all of these labels to some of the most legendary heroes that we still refer to today, simply because of this one trait of believing. Romans chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. It says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Verse 5 says, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The scripture says that belief is what counted Abraham as righteous. And since he was righteous, then therefore he did righteous things. And I think it's very important for us to remember what comes before the cart of the horse. A lot of us fall into the belief that if you do righteous things, then you will be righteous. But scripture makes it very clear that it's the opposite. It was he believed God was immediately made righteous because of his belief. And since he was righteous, therefore he did righteous things. I believe obedience is a product of being righteous, not a qualifier for being righteous. And that is very different from the way most of us secretly believe in our hearts. Obedience, Abraham didn't obey until after he was righteous. His righteousness came from simply believing. And then once he was counted righteous, then he started to obey God. If you don't believe me, let's keep going to scripture. Verse 10, same chapter. How then was it counted to him? So how was Abraham counted righteous? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Circumcision was the sign of righteousness. That was a sign that you belong to God. And the scriptures are making us want, ask, the scriptures are asking us, was Abraham righteous before he was circumcised or after? The next part says, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. 
So it wasn't Abraham's circumcision that made him righteous. It wasn't his, his actions. It wasn't his character. It wasn't his kindness. It wasn't his gifts. It wasn't his work ethic. It wasn't his family. It was his mere belief. And I say mere belief is because that's how most of us regard belief. Ah, it's just not that impressive to us. Belief is, is, is too simple. It's too basic, especially to be something that grants us something as grand and as holy as righteousness. Yeah, belief. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Been there, done that. I personally am counting myself in this number. I have personally struggled with the belief that belief is what makes you righteous. My understanding was righteousness was too great of an accomplishment. Righteousness was too high of an honor, too holy, too perfect, too saintly, too godly for, for me to achieve it through something as simple as, as mere belief. To me, guys, according to my understanding, believing is too basic for such an upgrade. It's too elementary for such a high accolade. This offended me as a person. And like most things that offend us, we reject it. So subconsciously, I rejected the idea that all you had to do was believe to become righteous. But the dilemma was I still had a goal to be righteous. I still wanted to be considered a righteous person. So since I rejected what the word said took for you to be righteous, I subconsciously exchanged the truth for a lie. And I made my own requirements of what I thought sounded appropriate to be righteous. The word says belief, but I just cannot get with that. Therefore, I'm going to make my own list of what it takes to be righteous. Things like time. With time, I'll, get, I'll become righteous. Things like experience. The more experience I have, the, the, the more righteous I'll become. Growth, you know, when I grow, then I'll be righteous. Uh, success or results, man, when I start seeing results, then, then I'll be righteous. Recognition, when other people start to notice my growth, then I'll be righteous. And not only did I put these requirements on myself, but then... What happens, the same way that you measure and, and deem things for yourself, you then put that on other people. So not only is all that required for me to be righteous, all that's required for other people to be righteous. And we end up creating this, this situation that's very unfortunate. And this is what happens with so many people. Since belief is so unimpressive according to our understanding, we reject that belief actually can grant genuine righteousness. But what if belief was more impressive than we realize? What if belief actually does more than what any works could ever do? My question to you guys is, what is belief actually? What is belief actually? And the way I'm going to define it today is it's simple. 
Belief actually is very simple. So simple that it's probably one of the biggest challenges for all of us. Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I read this scripture to unfold a very important concept for believers. And that is something so elementary, literally childlike, is what cracks the code to being promoted to a place that the most brilliant, most scholastic, most philanthropic minds could, have, could never access. And why is this? Why does God always seem to hide the profound in the yeah, yeah, whatever stuff? Why is it that he, he takes the profound things of heaven and hides them over the things that most people overlook? I have an answer. And my answer is God does this. Well, my question is why has God made belief what makes us righteous when there's so many better things that should make us righteous? Why does he make belief the requirement when according to our understanding there's so many better, more impressive, grand, noble things that should qualify us to be righteous? And the answer is he does it as a protest to our pride. God protests, but he protests on things that most people don't protest. Most of us aren't protesting against our pride. God protests against our pride. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. Check this, guys. This is rich. Please listen. Verse 27, but God chose. It was his decision to do this. And it's his prerogative to choose whatever he wants to do. Our pride is already challenged. God is telling us blatantly that he can do whatever he wants to do. And it's righteous. And there's nothing that we can do about it. Swallow that pill. But God chose what is foolish in the world. He chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And his reason is so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's the word. God uses basic things to unlock heaven on purpose. It's on purpose. It's 100% intentional. I don't think we realize, okay, this is, disclaimer, this is about to be a humble pie section for all of us, all right? I don't think we realize how much God opposes pride. I still don't think any of us, including me, 
fully fathom just how much he detests and opposes pride. I might be hurting some of our images of God today, but I believe that God opposes pride with enthusiasm. I'm not saying he just gets a lot of joy out of it, but I think he does it with vigor. Scripture says he shames the wise and the strong. And most of us here, if I asked you right now, you would all deny that God shames anyone. But he does. God shames people and he shames the proud. According to the word of God, guys, I know that we have subscribed to this guy that would never shame anybody, but scripture says he does. He shames the proud and he shames the strong. And he doesn't do it to be mean. He's not doing it out of spite. He's not doing it out of, out of anger. But he does it to protect his presence. His presence must be pride-free. And guys, this is something we need to know about ourselves. Another humbling thing. The world does not revolve around us. God doesn't revolve around us. God's presence existed before human beings were ever thought of, believe it or not. Not only did God's world exist before us, our world existed before us. We weren't even first. The ants were before us. Again, humble pie. I know this is very different than the way that we view our lives. But I feel the need to make it very clear, guys, that God was doing this thing. God hated pride before human beings were ever here. It was an issue even with the angels. So, so it's not a, a personal thing against us. God hates pride. So if human beings take on pride, then we find ourselves in the line of fire, something that he has been against since before we were even thought of. So, so it's important for us to remember that we didn't make God. God made us. And as, as, as duh of a statement as that is, I really think that that's a relevant thing to remind us all. Because I think we have ventured into something we are forgetting that we didn't make him up. We didn't design God. God designed us. And again, as basic of a truth as that is, that's news to some of our hearts, and that's news to some of our mindsets. His presence is pure, and he protects it at all costs, even at our expense. God protects the purity of his presence at all costs, including at our expense. He will dispose us before he contaminates his presence. A lot of us don't realize that. Some of, some of us have never heard these things before. First, no, second Peter. Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to read verse 4, and then I'm going to jump to verse 9. He says, if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, until the judgment. So he's letting us know that even with the angels, when there was pride in his presence, he dealt with it. And he dealt with it fast. 
So if the angels, if God didn't tolerate pride with angels, what makes us think? What makes us think that he's going to tolerate it with us? If he doesn't tolerate it with the heavenly angels, what makes you think he's going to tolerate presence with mere mortals? We're mortals. Verse 9, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Before humans, just so you guys don't take this personally, guys, it's not as personal as you think. It's not as about you as you think. Before humans were ever around, God removed pride from his presence. He's been rolling like this for a long time. He makes a vow that pride will not be tolerated in his presence. He's made a vow that human glory will not be tolerated in his presence at his expense. He loves us and he wants us to shine, but never at the expense of his glory. He made Lucifer great. He's not trying to keep us from being great. The only issue is when it starts to be at the expense of his glory. That's when he goes, okay, <laughs> slow down. Slow down. I made you to be great. Yes, you're adorable. You're talented. But don't get it twisted. Don't start to elevate yourself to where it's at the expense of what I've got going on. Lucifer had to learn this a hard way. And unfortunately, many people are having to follow suit when they test God and try to flex in his presence. So what God has done is God has built access to himself in a way that filters out pride. He has built, he has constructed a way for human beings to access him that filters out pride. And it's not by belittling us. It's not by flexing. He doesn't play our game. He doesn't try to flex against, no, it's not by being mean. This is how God filters out pride. God filters out pride by purposely, everyone say purposely. God filters out pride by purposely using an elementary childlike requirement to approach him. That's how he filters it out. He's like, I'm not going to get into a screaming match with people. I'm not going to fight people. I'm not going to get into the debate with people. What I'm going to do is I'm going to build the door to me in a way where you can't even enter it unless you become like a kid. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to fight with them. I'm not going to contest with them. I'm not going to duke it out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to build access to me in a way where it has to be elementary 
It has to be childlike. And it's got to be what most people think is stupid. That's how I'm going to do it. So that nobody can get through boasting. Guys, it's on purpose. I can't stress to you how on purpose this is. And that elementary childlike requirement is belief. Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. He's made it to where it is impossible to please him, not without your master's degree, not without the best singing voice, not without the prophetic gift, but without faith, the ability to believe what you can't see. That is what he's made it to be the requirement to please him. It is impossible to please God without this silly thing called faith, this silly thing called belief. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and, everyone say and, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There are two beliefs that fit within. When I talk about belief, I'm talking about two beliefs needed to come to God. The first is you got to believe that he exists. you got to believe that he exists. You can't talk to someone that you don't think is there. you got to believe that God exists. And that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. The reason why both have to be included and you can't separate the two, because James says in a very famous passage that even demons believe that God exists. So believing in the existence of God is actually not the full thing we're talking about here. Hebrews makes it very clear. You have to believe that he exists and you have to believe that he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him, which speaks to his character. You can't just believe in the existence of God. You have to believe that he exists, and you have to believe in his character. You have to embrace the character of God, that he is a benevolent God, that he is a kind God, that he is a generous God, that he's a just God, that he rewards people. It's that Scripture says that in order for you to come to God, you have to believe these two things. There it is. You got to believe that he exists, and you got to believe in his character. You got to believe that he is a rewarder. He's, you got to believe that he's someone that's not going to let you seek him day and night and leave you empty-handed. There are a lot of people who believe in God and still don't know him because they doubt his character. They think he's mean. They think he's playing games. They think he's a trickster. They think he's a liar. They think he's shortchanging them. They think he's untrustworthy. That's why you can't just believe that God exists and expect for it to work. You got to believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder to those who seek him. I was talking to a friend and we were discussing... Uh, this growing school of thought that it's wrong to approach God wanting something from him. And instead, true righteousness is to just really just want him because you want him. <laughs> and as noble and as holy 
as this sounds, it's a no for me. And I'm going to tell you why it's a no for me. It indirectly and deceptively puts an unnecessary degree of piety on people coming to God. It's doing what I used to do of saying, oh, it's just got to be more. It just can't be that simple. We make it more complicated out of an offense to how simple being righteous actually is. Guys, two things that you should know about pride. Pride always wants your life to sound more uh, impressive and more complicated than it really is. Just so you know, pride always wants your life to seem more impressive and more complicated than it really is. Watch out, I'm telling you, pride will always want your life to seem more impressive than it really is and more complicated than it really is. These humble schools of thought about we need to just come to God not, not asking for anything and not wanting anything, it creates the standard that true righteousness, true sainthood is, is not wanting anything. We're supposed to just be content and just want him and, and nothing else. When the whole time, the whole time we're believing these things, Scripture is saying that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So, so what happens is not only is it biblical to believe that God is a rewarder, it's one of the two requirements to come to him. It's not just biblical, guys. Not only is it okay for you to know that God is a rewarder, it's actually required. You can't even come to God unless you believe that he exists and he's given you a reward. Pride says, if you seek God mindful that he is a rewarder and that a reward is coming, you're not doing it right. This is how true righteous people do it. We just do this, and we do this, and we just don't want anything. We don't crave it. We don't desire anything. We just want to just, and if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But what happens is you end up putting that same yoke on other people and you create this belief system that you can't go to God expecting good things. <laughs> Meanwhile, God's word constantly, constantly promotes his benefits as motivation for people to come to him. Constantly. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Give and I'll give back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. Men will be putting things into your bosom. He'll put money into your bosom. This is scriptural. Choose me and I'll bless your family for generation after generation and I rebuke the pestilence. Guys, the scripture says, forget not his benefits. Guys, 
pride and the religious spirit is making it wrong to believe these scriptures. Guys, we have warped our minds so much to where people can't even stand on these scriptures without feeling like they're falling into some deception. It's from Satan. It's from Satan. It's false humility. It's not true. God is constantly promoting, if you come to me, this is what I'll do for you. That's all he does. In scripture, he's promoting the benefits. He's a fisherman. He knows how to draw us. And we're creating a a theology and a culture where if you're mindful of the benefits that comes with following God, you're not doing it right. Guys, a religious spirit makes it bad to believe these scriptures. It makes it bad to believe the very words of Jesus. And we're falling for it. It's this false, pious thing. There's no life in it. It's deception. God is good. He's a rewarder. He's a benevolent God. He's a generous God. The religious spirit complicates the simple belief that all it takes to make you righteous is to believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder to those who seek him. There's a religious spirit announcement. There's a religious spirit that has been trying to put a cap on this church, Nashville Life. I would say the church at large, but I try not to talk about the church at large because I don't know all the churches. I know us. So I'm not even going to start talking about the church because someone asked me on an interview, what do you think about the church? I'm like, I don't know. I I know about 12 churches. (laughs) Literally, I know about 12 churches. I'm not trying to talk on the church. Leave that to other people. I I know 12 churches about max, and I really know Nashville Life. So I can speak for Nashville Life. There's a religious spirit that is trying to put a cap on this church. Despite what complications try to make their way in here, I'm saying right here that belief is what counts us as righteous. And this is so that none of us can boast. This is so that none of us can say, oh, I got in because I fasted for 21 days. I got in because I gave up Facebook. I'm in because I stopped, you know, doing drugs. I don't know, whatever. He does that so that we don't have these things of, oh, what did you do to become righteous? Oh, I did this. Oh, but I did this. He's making it to where it's so simple, I believed. Someone called me the other week and said that, not from our church, they said, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that God has given you permission to look at the religious spirit and say no and command him to leave. 
and it was an early in the morning. And I was like, really? They said, yeah, I just feel like you... you I, they, they basically said that in case you're hesitant because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to rock the boat or you, you want to be respectful and you, you question if you actually have the permission to tell this thing no. And it set me free. So now I'm saying it no. There's no religious spirit that's allowed here. And guys, for those of you who are, let me explain. If, you, if you're asking what, what, what I mean about religious spirit. Because like, a lot of times church people use words that religious spirit is basically, it's, it's actually a, 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 a pride. It's pride. It's pride. Pride manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Pride can manifest, manifest itself in like total rebellion to where you're just like, I don't know, saying God isn't real and all that sort of stuff. And then pride can also manifest itself in a way that, that looks religious, that looks godly. Second Timothy says it's going to become difficult in the last days because people are going to have a form of godliness but deny his power. In this case, deny his goodness and his benevolence. So that's what I'm talking about. When I say, in case you're not familiar with the religious spirit, basically it's a manifestation of the spirit of pride that chooses to keep the shell of godly godliness that keeps the facade, that keeps the demeanor, that keeps the, the habits, that keeps the schedule of someone who's godly. But when you actually look into the heart of the individual, there's no belief in the power of God. So that's what I mean when I say the religious spirit, in case anybody was confused. Um, now, let me make this very clear. Belief actually never remains belief only, okay? Oh my gosh. I was going to get to it. Belief actually doesn't remain belief only. Belief without a following action means that your belief wasn't really belief. Yes, sir. All right, and this is this is this is why it gets so confusing. This is why the cart and the horse get confusing for us. So it's an honest mistake because belief if it's true, drives you to move. It drives action. Belief actually drives you to move. But belief is the driver. You get what I'm saying? So you, you got to have belief to move. So they are very close cousins. But what, we, what happens in church culture oftentimes when we're not careful, we'll start to swap it. And it's the actions that drive belief. So that's kind of what I mean. That's, I'm basically clarifying a common mistake. Abraham believed first, and then he obeyed God. And a lot of us get confused. And since they're so closely connected, we end up getting blurry and we start going, okay, I got to start doing all these things and then I'll believe. So I'm trying to make it clear that yes, though belief is all it takes, belief does drive action. Otherwise, scripture says, if you don't, if there's no works that come from your belief, 
then it actually ends up being a sign that your belief wasn't all that real. You know, you can say that you trust the pilot all day long, but if you refuse to get on the plane, your actions show that you don't truly trust the pilot. Oh, I trust the pilot. I know he's qualified. Well, let's get on. Well, no, not, not right now. <laughs> that means that you, didn't, you, don't, you truly don't trust him yet. So that, that's what that means. So, so people can believe that God is good and believe, but if none of your, if it, if it doesn't drive any action, then you got to check your heart because more than likely you still aren't there in believing that God exists and that he's a rewarder to those who seek him. So for those who want to believe, you can. And the person who will give you the grace to do that is Jesus. Jesus is who we all must turn to if we want to believe. There's a grace, there's a supernatural ability that is given by Jesus for human beings to believe. He said, repent and believe. Repent means to turn to him. You got to turn to Jesus. He's the only one that can give you the ability to believe. Jesus, in case you don't know, is a man, he was born of a virgin, and his whole life was dedicated to this belief that I'm talking about, believing that God exists and he's a rewarder. He demonstrated this perfectly throughout his life, all the way to the ultimate test of his belief when he died on the cross. For him, for his road, diligently seeking God, the Father was going all the way to the cross. And if there was any step to really test if he truly believed that God was a rewarder to those who seek him, it was the cross. Jesus said it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. He endured the cross because he knew that joy was coming. He knew that his father was a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. That's the only reason why he was able to do the cross, because he knew if I continue this process, as much as this is the worst experience anyone could ever go through, I trust that God is a rewarder. And if I go down like this, he is going to exalt me, and he is going to give me all that he promised, which was all of heaven and all of earth. Before he ascended to heaven, he said, all of heaven and earth has been given to me. That was the reward. And us, we were his reward, believe it or not. <laughs> we were the reward. Repent means to turn to Jesus. And again, when I say belief, I mean that God is and that he is a rewarder. You got a couple of the two guys. For those of you, we got about half of y'all in here that God exists is really as far as it goes for you. And it's a struggle Rightfully so. Of course it's a struggle. If you only believe that he exists, then you still haven't truly embraced that he is a rewarder and he has rewards for you. Some of you guys, because of your, the, maybe some of the theology that you've come, come out of, you've been afraid to believe that God's going to reward you. You've actually been afraid. You've been so scared to embrace the benevolence of God. 
and the generosity of God. You've been lied to to believe that you are truly, because you just believe that God exists and, you know, he, 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 he doesn't, he's not going to get, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know what you're believing. But if you, to come to God, according to scripture, you got to believe that he is a rewarder. He's got rewards for you. Most of us aren't used to thinking about that. And it's been a burden. We've been trying to seek God, serve him without any rewards in mind. Even me, I'm, I'm not even used to it. Guys, he is a rewarder. And scripture says that you must believe that he is to even come to him. I'm not even like setting you free. I'm saying like you got to do this. You got you to gotta, you gotta lay whatever fear you've got to the altar today. You have got to repent. You've got to change from this timidity of embracing the benevolence of God. He's a good God. He's a father. He wants to give you gifts. Like, ah, he's so good. Turn to Jesus, guys. He's the one that's going to make it clear. He makes the father known to us. Jesus is who reveals the character of the father. He's the one that lets you know, hey, God, he's a good dad. He's been fathering me for years. I've been at this table for a long time. Come on. Yes, that chicken is yours. You can take it. It's okay. You don't have to ask. You can take it. Jesus is that person. We get to the table, and he's like, you know you can go. Like, we're still, like, raising our hand asking if we can go to the bathroom. And Jesus is like, you don't have to do that. This is your house. We're, 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 we got this, there's grapes right there. And we're like, oh, I wish those grapes look so good. I just don't know if I can take it. And Jesus is like, you can take the grapes. This is your table. He's invited us to his table. And this table is your table now. It's your table. It's your table. We've got to repent from, from that orphan thing of like, I still don't really belong here. And I still don't really think that I can just go for that piece of bread. Oh, what if he gets mad at me? He's like, this is placed out here for you. Everything that's mine is yours, Jesus said. Everything the Father gave to me, I'm giving to you. God is a rewarder to those who seek him. He's good, guys. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 through 18 is my last scripture. He who believes, this is Jesus speaking. This is our friend. This is our savior. This is the one who's showing us the ropes of what it's like to be a son of God. He's the one that shows us how to be sons and daughters. None of us have done this before. <laughs> He's the one that shows us what it's like. He said, okay, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So belief is really important. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, I'm about to list off some things that most of us in here think that we have got to have Lightning fall from the sky and shake our beds until it happens. 
We think that we've got to go to Ecuador and the four corners of the earth before any of these things will ever happen. We think that we're going to have to read our Bible for 24 hours a day and fast for two weeks with no food and water before any of these things happen. That's what the belief system that most of us are working with. And the things I'm about to list off say, you get it if you believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they, the people that they lay hands on, will recover. Now, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, can, I know I'm, I'm hitting sensitive parts for some of you all. Because the fact that these signs follow those who only believe is offensive to us. We would rather these things follow those who are in Africa, those who are old, those who have been saved for 80 years, those who've been through all of the mission trainings and spent a year at Bethel Reading and, and all of these things that we think that it takes. We're totally convinced that we just got to do something else to truly cast out demons. We have to truly do something. Surely you don't just have to believe. Don't tell me that, Alvin. Don't tell me you just have to believe to speak in new tongues. Don't tell me that. It's a comfort blanket because as long as all you have to do is believe, then you can do it right now. As long as all you have to do is believe, you don't have to sign up for a class. As long as all you have to believe is you don't have to fly to Asia. And that's uncomfortable to us. The Bible says that a day is coming where people have a form of godliness but deny the power. And ladies and gentlemen, we have reached that day. We are here. We have the facade. We have the behavior. We have the habits of a godly person. But when rubber meets the road and it's time to do something that actually requires God's power. Ooh. Uh, time to go to another church. Time to go somewhere else where they're not, where they're not holding me accountable to the power of God here. I'm just, you know, I'm just a good person here. Don't talk to me about all that supernatural stuff. I just want to be a Christian. I just want to be a Christian. I don't want, no one talked about supernatural stuff. They just said, I'm a believer. Okay, well, believers, Jesus says these signs will follow. And then my last point. They follow you. You don't have to chase them. Believers don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow believers.
Guys, we just have to relax. Can we just say relax? Relax. If you can just wake up and believe that God exists and that he is rewarded of those who diligently seek him, as basic and as elementary and as kid's life as that sounds, you will find that the most radical supernatural things will be your followers. Believers have followers, and they're not necessarily on Instagram. The followers that believers have, the followers that believers have are demons being cast out, speaking in new tongues, doing powerful things that follows you. See how different this is than how we think? Do we get how God's ways and God's word? This is why we have to read God's word. Not so you can make your life group leader happy. It's because you're not thinking like this. I mean, who honestly is thinking like this? And this is what comes from reading. The Bible says, I'm overwhelmed. The faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you, you have to hear this stuff to have faith. Trust me, you're not doing God any favors. This is for your faith. This is for your life. This is for your followers. So belief is not only a necessity to know God. It follows with some great benefits. There's rewards that come with it. These are, this is an amazing, these are amazing benefits. There's a wonder why scripture says for, forget not as benefits. We forget how many benefits come with this life. It's a lot more than not going to hell. Which is a good one, by the way. <laughs> That's a good benefit. But there's more, guys. There's more. And the key to it is by simply believing that God exists and he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So I want to ask for us to stand because we have to turn to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can give us the, the grace and the confidence and the rest. I mean, guys, this is how, this is how good Jesus is. He, he gives us rest and righteousness at the same time. Imagine. Imagine a God so good that he gives you rest and the highest accomplishment that we work so hard to achieve. He gives us that at the same time as he gives us rest. I mean, we just can't even fathom. Holy Spirit, help us fathom your goodness help us save us from what we've settled for save us from the exhausting fruitless efforts that it that we that we do to reach something that you've given little children
rest from your labor. He wants to give you rest right now. Some of us are, 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 are really striving. And don't get me wrong, this life comes with effort. But we're, we're investing effort in the wrong places. We're putting effort to achieve something that was a gift. Scripture says if you work for it, it's no longer a gift. It's your, it's your compensation. You can't work for a gift. Righteousness is a gift that comes by simply believing. And when you receive that gift, it can really feel like a gift. For some of us, it still has not registered as a gift. And the Lord is saying, I'm here to give you rest. Some of us need to repent of the pride that we've bought into. The pride of, man, if I just, if I just accomplish something great for God, then he'll you're missing it. This is not about your glory. This is not about your greatness. This is not about your achievements. This is about you doing what Paul did, counting all of those things as nothing and becoming like a child who can simply see God for who he is, someone who exists and someone who gives great presence someone who gives great rewards to those who seek him, someone who's generous, someone who's just. So I pray, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, remove the burdens, remove the yokes that you did not call for us to carry. Remove, Lord, you know what? Don't remove it. We lay down the pride. This is for us to do. So, Father, you're good. You just be great. We lay down our pride. We lay down our burdens. We lay down the weights that hold us back in this race. We lay down the sin that so easily entangles us. We lay down the pride. We do it. We take it off. And we make ourselves like children. In this moment, some of us have great-grandchildren. It doesn't matter. Some of us have fully grown beards. It doesn't matter. We make ourselves children right now. We come to you the way that you called us to, and that is simply. If you are ready to step into something simple, something simple, if you're ready to step into the, the life where all you have to do is believe and you are counted as righteous, if you are ready to receive the simple gospel, which is really the only gospel, it's the only gospel. If you are ready, repeat this prayer after me because Jesus is about to give you 
the gift of righteousness. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you are a believer, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the gift of righteousness, the gift of salvation. This is a gift. Jesus, we thank you for the gift. Father, we thank you for the gift. If you've prayed that prayer and you are, you're ready to let us know. Let us know. If you prayed that prayer and you received Jesus, if you said yes to him, if you turned to him, particularly for the first time, or if you've done it before and you, you really feel like this is the time that, that, you, that you're going to follow through with some action, please let us know. Text yes to Jesus to 77411 on your phone. And all that does is it lets us know how many people said yes to Jesus and we'll send a reply with some helpful information that'll give you the fundamentals of how to really, how to get this, uh, this walk started. So text this number, I mean text yes to Jesus to that number. If you would like to get connected to the church, text belong to the same number, belong, B-E-L-O-N-G, same number. If you uh, want to get connected to the church, I invite you to our Next Steps class. We're about to have it right after service, right after I pray. Um, we'll be there. Our pastors and leaders will be in there. You can get kind of more acquainted with the church, learn about us, come to Next Steps in room 104. Um, I would love to see you there. I'll be there. Um, aside from that, oh, yeah, prayer. This is a house of prayer. We want to pray for you. So if you want prayer right now, we've got two people that are going to be right in position here. Uh, Daniel and I'm sure someone else is coming to pray and we would love to pray for you whatever needs you have Helen awesome and then uh, if you go to our website you can give your prayer request online we've got a whole team every week prays for all the things that come through that site so give your request there um, and then lastly if you wanted to give an offering a physical one if you didn't give online and you want to give a check or, or cash finance team is in the middle aisle. We'll receive your offering and we thank you in advance. Um, I'm going to pray and happy birthday again to dad. Dad, I love you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the simple gospel. Lord, we thank you for, for uh, the power of simply believing. God, and I pray, Lord, that everybody here is empowered that simply because of their belief, they have access to an unlimited source of, of, of life and of love and of blessings and of power. And I pray, Lord, that because of our belief, we will see mountains move in the name of Jesus. So uh, I pray a blessing over every family that is here. Bring us back at the appointed time. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Have a good day.